The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, the largest online career resource built inclusively for women. I also have the privilege of hosting our new podcast, The Females. We're here to help with real talk career advice from CEOs, authors, creatives, and other experts to give you real strategies for building a successful career all on your own terms. Each episode of The Females is sure to not only inspire, but also to motivate you to take action and move your career forward. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes and follow along on careercontessa.com. Let some things be retrograde. Hi, I'm still getting used to the new theme song, loving it more and more every time. Oh, you are? Uh, I love it so much. Do you guys love it? I feel like we should do, I feel like we should at one really point release the full. whole thing. Yeah, because you know, those lyrics are my greatest yeah. accomplishment of any creation I've ever made. Tickles my soul, honey. Oh, by the way, I don't think we've introduced ourselves. I'm Stephanie Simbar. I'm Elizabeth Cott. We like to do that at the top so people can tell us apart because it's just voices. Other than that, it's just voices in the abyss. Oh my God. I had such a weird moment this weekend. I found myself, you know, watching some old shows, some old faithfuls that just like bring me into a simpler time. I've been rewatching The uh-huh. Hills. We can get into that later. I was watching like a random episode of Sex in the City. One of my favorites, mm-hmm. the bat mitzvah episode to be exact. So Miranda's 34 in that episode. <laughs> I'm older than Miranda now. I had to like sit with (laughs) that, uh kind of cry a little of just like, I'm not, not that I don't love being my age. I love every age that I'm at, but it just is like, I think I saw that episode probably 20 years ago and like never thought that I would even surpass that age that they were in. It just always felt like Miranda was this older fancy lawyer lady. Well, you are my Miranda. She's actually to me like the most (laughs) well-rounded best character. I just think that it's her voice that was really annoying. To be honest, they're all kind of really yeah. The only one who is not annoying to me is Samantha. Well, it's funny. I actually wrote a thesis paper in college about the third wave feminism themes within the television show, which is just really fun because I got to watch so much of it and like read all of these think pieces on it. And it was it was a great choice because I got to choose anything. And a lot of the show is written in like the gay man's opinion of like a female archetype. So when you look at it through that, it just, the lack of well-roundedness just, you know, isn't there. Yeah, Samantha was like, her sexuality was definitely a gay man's sexuality. But it was fun. Like no woman is that hungry for that many dicks without having any emotional attachment. Don't tell me you're not attached to at least one. Oh my God, this reminds me of how I became friends with, The guy who played Richard before I left Larchmont. The guy who, oh yeah. (laughs) This reminds me of how I stalked him until he was friends with my masseuse and I saw them together like right before COVID Mm -hmm. like hit. And I was like, I'm moving. And he told me like all about these places near where I am. And he, we talked about like all these old movies he told me to watch. I love that. I mean, for me, that was like probably like the biggest celebrity sighting of all time. James Raymar is his name. Met Patricia Fields, the stylist for the show way back in the day in Detroit. And I ended up in the Detroit Free Press 
with a picture of me and her and us having a conversation. It was really a crowning moment in my young adolescence. He's still really hot. Wow, he's aged well. Right? Guys, look up the guy that played Richard on the internet if you want something to look up and see what what he looks like. He's, He's done well for himself. Look how hot he was when he was younger. Hats off. Sorry, Elizabeth. Some of us are hornier than others, I guess. <laughs> She's like, I don't want you to show me pictures of James Raymar, especially because we're on a fucking podcast. I hope everyone's Googling him right now. Well, no, it works. I think a visual component to a podcast is the future. So here we are. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Speaking of the future, we're really getting into it today. We're talking about sustainability around what else ties in with Sex and the City, fashion. Fashion. That's right, honey. Make sustainability fashion. We have Christy Kaler, who's joining us. She's the founder of this clothing line called Four Days Days. that we discovered about a year or so ago. Get into this in the conversation, but I just want to, it bears repeating because a lot of times with, you know, companies like that are doing the right thing, unfortunately, they don't always have have like the cool factor. And I feel like Four Days really has the cool factor. Like every single body body style is so dialed. Like their men and women's are like so I'm like I'm this is a four days t-shirt that I'm wearing right now. And I got one for our friend Benji for his birthday. And he, literally every time I FaceTime with him, he's wearing it. It's his favorite fucking shirt. And just knowing that you're wearing something that feels good, looks cool, and is doing something good for the planet. I mean what like, else do you need? What else is there? Nothing. I feel like we should like get to the combo. Welcome to the show, Christy Kaler of Four Days. All right, let us take a time out to talk about one of our new partners that Elizabeth and I are really excited about. We are talking about Candid, and they are clear aligners for your teeth that are comfortable, removable, and totally invisible, unlike wire braces. And both Elizabeth and I have experiences. I have had braces, and I have had another clear aligner. Elizabeth has just told me that she refused braces, though they would have been free. (laughs) I opted out of braces, so my uncle was the orthodontist in my town and did like everyone's teeth. And it was my celebrity association from the time I was so young. But I opted out of getting the free braces that were offered to me because my friends who had braces were so miserable every time they would get their braces tightened and I would witness it. And I was like, not for me. And I've always regretted. Not to mention the way that braces like, cut up your inside of your lips. I would always have canker sores. I was also telling you that my orthodontist always chewed cinnamon gum and spoke really close to your face and had giant nose pores with huge hairs in them. And here's the thing, Candid, you work with a licensed orthodontist, but you never have to go see them, which though your uncle sounds cool, I can tell you that trips to the orthodontist are not No, it was a very 90s thing. Let's be clear. (laughs) That was the height of the practice. So let's describe what Candid actually is. It's clear liners. You guys have seen them before. They work on teeth and jaw alignment. And it's 50 to 60% cheaper than their competitors with the same great quality. And it happens 100% online. So basically how it works is you order a starter kit and they're offering a $75 off deal to our listeners for their starter kit. It also sounds really fun what happens. They send you a kit where you do your own teeth molds. I can't wait. You know, like you're a little dinosaur (laughs) and they send you the molds and then you send them back. Those get reviewed by an orthodontist and then you get to have mobile interface with an orthodontist who's prescribing your liners for you and monitoring your progress. 
the thing that I'm really into about this is the average candid treatment is just about six months. So you'll start seeing results and uh, you can do it on the DL. You know, most of us, we don't have anywhere to go right now. So if we have a tray in our mouth for about 22 hours throughout the day, I say we all commit, we get together, we do this through 20, up till 2021, see where we're at. And by the time we're like emerging back into the world, we're all going to have a little bit straighter teeth. Like there's never ever been a better time to do anything cosmetic when you have a handful of people that you're They seeing. can't tell like, on a you, Zoom it's call. It's just like, I was gonna say, you could totally work candid on Zoom, FaceTime dates. Like nobody gives a fuck. You might be talking a little funny, but who cares? It's character Take building. Take it out when you eat. It's, it's, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. So if you guys are trying to do this, you should go over there because the deal is really great. I I know we're not supposed to totally talk about the competitors, but I will say that I did a round of something like this and it was double the price of what Candid is offering. So it's super legit and the same thing and very convenient. So go to Candid, C-A-N-D-I-D-C-O dot com slash retrograde and use code retrograde. That's candidco.com slash retrograde for your risk-free starter kit and $75 off of that kit, candidco.com slash retrograde. We'll see you there. Oh, yeah. Now back will. to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's really exciting to be able to talk to your, your audience and talk to you guys. So thrilled to be here. So Four Days is the first fashion brand that we know of that is closing the loop on clothing waste. So we say we're also the first zero waste clothing company, which I think kind of adds context to it. As we know, the fashion industry just creates a tremendous amount of landfill waste specifically because we have this business model in fashion where we need to sell everybody more and more and more stuff um, in order to make money. And then that stuff piles up in our homes and our closets and it's really hard to get rid of. And so, so much of it ends up literally in the trash. And for me, when I started discovering the stats on that, I was just really troubled, confused. And I was like, why does this exist? And so when you look at it, we throw away 21 billion pounds of textiles into landfill annually in the US. That's 70 pounds per person. The large majority of donations end up in landfill. We only recycle 1% of textiles into new textiles. So when you think that we have a 1.5 to $1.6 trillion fashion industry, like this is just a big problem. And so for me, I was like, well, I think we need a new business model that really incentivizes the customer to do something more sustainably. But as a brand, we have to take responsibility for the products we make and that we put out into the world. And so for us, we've created this system where you can actually swap out your product for new product anytime. And, and all this, the items that get sent back to us get upcycled into new materials, new fabrics, and new clothing. So that's what we mean by closing the loop on clothing waste. So instead of having that one-way street of produce, purchase, pollute, um, we say buy, return, recycle, receive, return, recycle, keep doing that over and over again. And so in that, we've designed product for recyclability. We use all organic materials. We make sure everything's safe for your body, really high quality, but we give the customer an easy way to participate in sustainability that also provides value. With really amazing body styles and fabrics on top of that, which that's the thing that I think is so important. It's like stuff we all want to wear and that looks really good. It's so critical. It's like, it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's wonderful to have values and mission and purpose. If you don't have great products, it's almost a who cares. And yeah. I think the two have to work together. And it's like about 
wonderful material choice, really great hand feel. Like we've done a lot of research on enzyme washing, which is a natural way of making the fabric softer instead of adding artificial softener. And they're just cool ways that you can kind of advance sustainability while advancing good products. We don't care if it doesn't serve us first. So it's like, you know, I look at a lot of these like organic makeup companies even, you know, and I'm just like, cool. Like, I love your model. I love what you're doing, but like your lipstick doesn't stay on. So I'm not going to buy it. Or, you know, this, it's just, we have to be catered to as a consumer as well. And I think that's the tricky part that you guys have really nailed. I think that's right. I always talk about it. It's like great products. So like value and values and value to me is the performance of the product, the price of the product. Those things are really important because often sustainability is also too expensive. It's like, only luxury or it's really exclusive. And for me with this specifically, I've come from that world. I came, my last company was in the luxury space and it's great to make beautiful products. I love beautiful product. It's great to do that. But when you're selling it to very few people, it doesn't feel like the impact that we could make if we could design something that a lot of people could participate in. And it's kind of common sense, but so it's, it's value that way. And then values, the two are equal and they have to work in tandem. And I think that's um, what inspires us every day is how do we, how do we keep those two things in like real focus and make sure we're marching to that. I understand what you said before about like the model of, you know, produce, 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 and then people end up wasting. But like, as a consumer, like when I hear you say that, I'm like, well, I don't think it's cool to just buy what everyone's buying, you know, and then you end up seeing season after season, a bunch of shit people aren't buying. Why isn't the model of the bigger fashion houses just like, we only make 30 things of this piece? As a consumer, isn't that so much cooler? It comes down to bottom line and economies of scale. And it costs less to make a thousand units than it costs to make 30. And then um, you start to realize when you work in those big businesses, my first kind of career moments were at the gap and it's, you know, a huge brand, really mass scale production. You start to realize that you're operating to maximize margin over like a lot of stores and a lot of people and a lot of product. And so it's a different set of economics. Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of drive those choices where you see the same thing everywhere because they make more money. Even if they sell half of it at Markdown, they're going to make more money by making a lot of it than making a little of it. Hey, Michael Phelps here. I want to tell you a bit about online therapy. Online therapy is not about time and place. It's anytime and any place. It's as easy as joining a video call or texting with a friend. Only it's with a licensed professional therapist trained to listen and offer support. Get started with a single message from your device on your schedule. Talkspace, therapy for all. Visit Talkspace.com to get started today. Quick break. We love Talkspace so much. Right now, the change that's going on is constant, but in this quote-unquote new normal, it feels like there's something new to grapple with every day. My moods are like, fine one day, next day, I'm not so fine. So it really, really, really helps to talk it out, which is why we love Talkspace for online therapy, which lets you connect with a licensed therapist for a fraction of the price of in-person therapy. And hey, guess what? There's no in-person therapy right now anyway. So match with your perfect therapist from the comfort of your own device and reach out 24-7. They have an app that you can use it on desktop, you know, whatever you need, you can text them. Like it's, it's all right there for you. And you will be able to match with a licensed therapist for the fraction of a price of in-person therapy. You can try people. If you don't connect with them, you can try another person, no hard feelings. They are licensed in treating depression, anxiety, substance abuse, trauma, relationship issues, food and eating and more. 
And if you're anything like me, you have been triggered during this time and it's time to do some healing. So talk it out, work it out. And don't worry, guys, they use the latest encryption technology so you will not get your secrets blown up on the internet. It's super secure. And we all need someone to talk to. So Talkspace wants to give us the support we deserve at a price we can afford. Match with your perfect therapist at Talkspace.com or by downloading the Talkspace app. And don't forget to use our promo code retrograde at checkout for $100 off your first month. That's $100 off your first month at Talkspace.com. Promo code retrograde. Here for it, guys. Now back to the show quantity, but also the more SKUs you have available as well also comes into it. You mentioned like that, that marketing push and the the changing of seasons. And I have never been more tuned into that than during this time of COVID. I, it's now just so evident how this works. I know it is true. And I think you've seen that with like huge amounts of discounts and promotions and 50% off. And that's really the only tools people have at their fingertips. And for us, the, the, the idea that if you design for circularity, while of course, nobody wants excess inventory at the end, but we know what to do with it if we have it. It actually has other lives, right? Like we design it to be that way. So it's not the using a product that's the problem. It's what happens when we're done with it. That's the problem. Mm. And so right now, right, you're just seeing brands that have too much stuff that they can't even pawn off on us <laughs> as customers. Right. Because um, they and, have nowhere to and put it. Wow. There's just no solution. There's nothing, you know, and there's always something coming right behind it. And so I think... I think you're right in these moments where we get to pause and say, okay, what's important to us and how does our lifestyle kind of, how is it supported by the products we choose versus the other way around? How is it ruled by it? I think it's kind of an awesome moment of awakening, right? Where people can just be like, oh, I have new choices to make. I have different priorities. And I think that's really cool and bodes well for the future. And and if we can continue designing with this mindset, then great. People can have freshness and new colors and new prints and new things because there's always something responsible being done with it after that. It's not just more, more, more for the sake of it. It's hard because we do want to have new things and we want to have exciting things and and our styles do change. And like what we like is different from moment to moment. And it's like stressful when you think about that, when you're coming online and becoming conscious to all the waste, you're like, well, but I still want to like have fun. Yeah. I, I've always said that I'm like, you know, it's, it, there's obviously some cool stuff around minimalism and having less crap in your life, like, and, and just the mental clarity that provides. And, and I think that that's true, but I agree. Like personal expression is so important and we move and evolve and change and we're human personalities and that should be celebrated. So we need to create ways to do that, that don't ruin the planet. That waste component feels so insurmountable. So how have you cracked this code? Because I feel like if it was an easy feat, more people would be doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not easy. Um, <laughs> it's definitely not easy. Um, it's not creating, you know, the future of commerce from scratch. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. But, you know, it, it took a lot of kind of deliberate choices. And, and I mean, I wish I could say we could make any product this way and it would be fine today. We can't. We're somewhat limited by the materials we choose. We're limited by the recycling partners that exist in the world and the technology and recycling. We've crafted our product offering 
with that in mind. And we've said, okay, if we start here, we know we're using natural materials, we're using organic materials, we're using safe dyes, there's minimum in, minimal impact on the supply chain side. We're also using materials that we know we can recycle. And so those are the deliberate choices we have to make. I couldn't go out and make everything today this way. That's the design choice. And then it's on us to make that choice awesome and really cool and great product. And then we've had to build a supply chain and a series and a network of partners that help us get there and really fulfill the promise of recycling. And so that's um, you know both a combination of just really strong determination, a long kind of career in the industry, and and working with really inspiring people who believe in the same thing we believe in. The future is circular, and, and there are people out there fighting that good fight and kind of innovating. And then as an organization, we've had to build different reverse logistics, different warehousing, different sorting, different technology, all of these things to support this so that it it works seamlessly and it's easy for the customer. Because again, kind of like bad product, bad service doesn't work so well either. So it's definitely an ecosystem that we've had to build. But we did that really intentionally because I, I, I see a future where so many of our products operate this way. And so if we can build that infrastructure and almost think about what we're doing like a platform... Um, you know, we can be expansive. We can we can bring in people who are making recyclable products and want to implement a circular system. Um, we can partner with people to help them get there. So, yeah, I just very much believe in collaboration and and helping each other. We interviewed Craig's from Craig's Vegan, and we've interviewed. We just recently interviewed a dentist who's doing um, a more holistic oral care system, and I hear them talk about their vision for what they want to do as far as the future is concerned, like how you're describing recycling. And then they're, they're, they have this vision and then they're met with all these- A lot of no's. No's and obstacles and things from these suppliers or these plants or whatever that suddenly they're like, wow, there's a reason why nobody has done this before. And it's because it's fucking annoying because the red tape and the bureaucracy. And I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious to hear you talk about if this is relevant or, or how it is relevant to the, the, the journey of recycling as far as like accessing points where you could partner, how was that? What did that kind of look like? Because I've heard that's really challenging. It is really challenging. And again, it's it's actually because the technology is so relatively new. So we face less of a hurdle on like the red tape or the governmental side. Um, we really have to find people who've been super advanced in thinking through recycling because it's new. This concept of circularity in fashion is new. And so we found people in Spain who've been doing it for 70 years, mechanical recycling, because they had to, because they had a shortage of cotton supply. And so when they had the shortage of cotton supply, they had to turn to existing textiles to be able to support the the manufacturing that they wanted to do to supply armies with fabric, you know? And so you see this like really inventive mindset and innovation and, and progress happen with kind of moments of, I think restriction. Yeah. It's like humans will only change if their backs are against the wall, you know, kind of out of necessity. Yeah. That's, that's the saying necessity is the mother of innovation. That's the saying, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's like that in fashion, like I think, and, and potentially it's necessity of our behavioral and lifestyle choice that will also help kind of drive this forward right now. But, you know, as long as they're like really, really cheap, pollutive options on the market, people are always going to continue choosing those. <laughs> to your point or to your question about recycling, um, it's just new. And so we we continue to talk to and partner with people who are investing their life in really trying to figure this out, whether it's new and novel modes for 
chemical recycling or more advanced mechanical recycling. Um, but I have to say every time it's really fun because everybody's so passionate and keen and smart and just like really good people. <laughs> so I'm fortunate to That's call, awesome. call those call those folks, yeah, friends and partners in this. Will you walk us through the lifeline of and the cycle of the garment? Yeah. Yeah. With so, four days. Yeah, exactly. So some of our products come from virgin materials, um, mostly because the recycled content, our aim is to get it from our own products. So we have to get it when we get stuff back. So we knew we had to start with a certain selection of virgin content. We're working on increasing the recycled content in our virgin products, but that's another thing. Um, so what happens is the product goes out into the world, you wear it, you wear it out, you do whatever you do to it. Like you can literally draw on it with a marker. We don't care. Write on it, rip it, stain it, stretch it, cut it up. DIY or just wear it normal. Don't you don't have to be a crazy person. Like I'm wearing my black t-shirt. Yeah. Okay, normal human. But love it and wear it a lot because that's the point. We want you to use it. And when it comes back to us, all the product comes back, it gets sorted. We sort things into like gently worn and really worn because the gently worns we do something else with to to, to try and give them a second life. We do a reincarnation process. But on the pieces that will be recycled, they go to a mechanical recycler it chops things up. It shreds the fabric. It chops it up. It turns it into kind of a pulp. You do have to add virgin material to that to create the right staple length so that the quality of the yarn can be made into good fabrics. That fiber is spun into yarn. That yarn is knitted into fabric. That fabric comes back to us to be cut into whatever garment we've designed for it. Okay, guys, quick break. I have to say, you know, I'm always loving for something to do on my phone that's not social media related. And I've taken to this new dating app, Ship, to find Stephanie a man. And it's really fun. Oh, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Are you finding anyone for me? I mean, I found two people. I don't know if you're so into it, but I think you're intrigued. I hit two matches for you today and I was pretty excited. Okay, your intentions are great and I really appreciate it. But if you could do me a real solid and start to read the bios more thoroughly, because fitness, this is, yeah, this is what she sends me, guys. This guy, he's it's kind of attractive, I guess. I don't know. But his profile is fitness is a huge part of my life. Motorcycles are my adrenaline. Guns are my passion. Marine Corps veteran, Jew. Fitness and humor is a must. Now, yes, am I fit and hilarious? And yes. Jewish. However, you know, however. Guns are your passion. I personally can't get on board with that. So let's kind of explain what Ship does. So it's like a traditional dating app, but then your friends can get in the mix. Which does really make it much more fun and also way less sad. It's like a community project. Yeah. Oh my God. Now we're, where it takes a village to find me a man is really, really hilarious. So you basically, (laughs) you swipe for your friends on ship. She can swipe. Seth can swipe for herself too. And it's just kind of like a fun social, like I said, it's, it's, it's not your run of the mill app. You can really get together, form community, get your friend laid. What more do you want? Someone just texted me. Hi. Hi, Ethan. Hi. (laughs) So who doesn't want to date someone that their friends already like? You can download ship. Uh, that's S-H-I-P in the app store. It lets you swipe for your friends. For us for us takens out there, we can get in the mix. Honestly, it makes me feel so much less alone in the realm of swiping and dating. It feels like 
more of a game in a positive way. You have context. I'm not screenshotting and sending you things. We're having a live convo as though we're just DMing each other on Instagram. It's so simple. And so it's actually making online dating fun for me, which you guys know I've had bouts of hatred for. (laughs) That's S-H-I-P. Find it in the app store. We'll be your friends if you want us to. We'll help you. We'll swipe for you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's fun. Befriend us on Shiv and we can pick people for you. Oh, my God. Guys, that's S-H-I-P. Download it and start swiping. Also, Elizabeth, as a follow-up from last week, can you please tell Joey that I've asked him to be in my crew and he's yet to oh, yeah. accept and I don't know. Oh, yeah. We're, we'll we'll fix that Thank ASAP. You. So shall we go back to the show or should I keep swiping? Both. Or what? You can listen and swipe. That's like the great thing about it. I, wow. Oh, Jake. I think I might fuck a 25-year-old. Who knows? (laughs) Jake modeling on top of a building. Okay. Okay, Oh my God. His profile is I'm kind of a model NBD. (laughs) All right. Let's go back to the show before I say something I'm going to regret. You mentioned Gap being on your resume, what brought you to this? You must have seen a lot of fashion ills <laughs> to really inspire you to to create this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been entrepreneurial throughout my career, which has been really fortunate. And I, um, I have a weird skill set slash educational background. I have an engineering background. I have a fine arts background. I did an MBA. I did a design program obviously went to far too much school, but it means uh, that I've always, <laughs> I've always, didn't we all? <laughs> exactly. I've always approached the industry really holistically. I like the fact that there's like this linear supply chain components and kind of almost like a mathematics to it all and a science to it all. And yet there's customer and product and experience and design and, and the two can work really well together. So anyway, at the gap, I was really fortunate. I got to launch and grow businesses for them, which meant I got to move through the company in a really dynamic way and see a lot of scope quite early. I spent time launching a business for Banana Republic and then moved to Japan for a year and spent um, a year running the Banana Republic team there and opened stores and launched new product categories and spent a lot of time in our supply chain. And so went all throughout Asia because we developed the product specific to the Japanese market. It's much more elevated. I got to know how we make clothes in a really kind of more intimate way, which is awesome for my skill set going forward. But I also saw the impact our production was having on people on the planet. And it was in a way that I had just never comprehended from a scale perspective. And like, it was a classic experience where like you land in Shanghai, drive two hours outside of the city, come upon like dormitories of people that literally live there solely to support production for like Marks and Spencer and Gap. And you just realize the decisions I'm making on the products I'm choosing to present to the market have a deep impact on communities. And we're not talking about that. And for me, I was like, why are we not talking about that? I care. Don't other people care? And it's not that mm-hmm. I think big businesses are doing anything wrong. It just, particularly at that point, just wasn't part of the consideration. Well, that wasn't really part of the consciousness. I mean, as, no. as sad as that really is, like the reality is, it's like, it was easy to just disconnect. Like we didn't have that thread of, of connection really like is the, in the way that we think about things because I don't know, we were ignoring the global warming. We were ignoring like, the economic, like everything just felt like it was living at a certain level. And it's only really in the past few years, and especially now that we're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. And also, I think it's just like from a fashion fan perspective, you're like, oh, you can get, you know, a copy off of yeah. da, 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 da. 
like right, you know, on trend in season and it's so affordable and it's just disposable and it you can just kind of keep acquiring. And that has been the mindset. Well, and, I, you know, and in some ways, like inexpensive pro- access to product is really good for people, you know, having, a, having various price points, all of that is actually sure. productive and employment is important in places. So again, it's not that the industry is terrible throughout, through and through. It's just putting the contemplation of how we're making things and who we're impacting and how much we're making and what we're doing with it after just really wasn't part of the conversation. And for me, it, it, it just mattered to me. And I was mm-hmm. like, how we make our clothes, where we make our clothes, how many of them we make. And I coupled that with the fact that like the industry as a whole is riddled with markdowns and returns. So from a business perspective, that seemed inefficient. And I'm like, we're just kind of bad at our jobs. Like we just buy a bunch of stuff, throw it at the wall, hope it sticks. What doesn't stick, we mark down. And for me being, again, that kind of engineering mindset, I was like, there must be a better way of doing business where we can make fewer things and make as much, if not more money and have less impact on the planet. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but, hmm, interesting. And so- it's Yeah, not it's that, that really- funny moment of like, wait, we don't have to do it this stupid way because I'm also an intelligent person who could think of new systems. Great, let's do that. <laughs> let's do that instead. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so it set me on a course of really questioning the status quo. Before four days, I had to stop at Mayette, which I co-founded in 2010. And for me, that was what we were talking about earlier, sustainability and, and mission and responsibility was really seen as something that was like second rate as a product quality or design perspective. People were like, oh, that's cute. Are you going to sell at the flea market or like at Whole Foods? I'm like, no, in fact, <laughs> you know. listen, the clothes and shoes at Whole Foods are lit. Don't trip. They They're are so enticing. Good. I can't yeah. because we, where we spend our time these days. Like, yes. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and I, I do need doing. those sandals. <laughs> those tie-dye socks though, I have to say. I did yeah. get the other day. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's changing. It's changing there too. We made a really luxurious elevated product. We worked with artisans globally. Uh, the network of supply chain that we set up was just really powerful and so important in that connection to human and making really high, high aesthetic things with a purpose that was rather novel. Um, and instead of selling in Whole Foods, we sold in Barney's and Neiman's and Saks. And like, I think really successfully changed the conversation around what purpose and mission could do in fashion. So good on that point. On, on the minus side, I was still trapped in an industry that was riddled with markdowns and returns. So I was selling more expensive stuff, but it was still as inefficient as what I was seeing when I was selling inexpensive t-shirts. And so for me, it just, I realized it's like, well, this is an industry problem. This is not like a specific brand problem or a specific product category issue. Like this is the whole thing (laughs) is broken. And I started just doing a lot of work around circularity with cradle to cradle and fashion positive, got involved with Ellen MacArthur foundation, did some work with the world economic forum and, and sat on this global future council on consumerism, which ridiculous title, but cool people like chief economists, from Visa, somebody very senior at H&M and Alibaba and UPS and started deeply thinking about the future of consumerism through this lens of ownership and what that means to us. And I think um, we've seen in a lot of other categories and, and products that ownership, we don't need to own things for forever anymore. And I just saw that as a window of opportunity to say, well, if people don't need to own things for forever anymore, and in fact, in some cases, it's better not to, that means we can get them back. And if we can get them back and we make them circular, we can do something cool with them next. So that was like the the foundation and seedling of 15 years in the industry, coupled with innovative thinking on circularity, where I just, 
I saw an opportunity to start to shift the mechanics of the way this works. Who introduced you to the concept of like the circle and circularity as far as like, because I mean, that is a visual way different than sustainability that I actually think lands harder and better in, in the mind of someone thinking about how it works. There are a few organizations that have been really forward thinking on this topic and one is Cradle to Cradle and then they created something called Fashion Positive and I was really for it, Bill McDonough and he's he's written really thought-provoking books on it and, and worked a lot in different material sciences to kind of, whether it was building materials or consumer product materials and fashion was kind of the, the frontier that hadn't been touched. And so people have become dear friends of mine leading that initiative through through Fashion Positive and I was fortunate to be on that leadership committee early and started learning these principles and was like, the visual to your point is really clear. What what goes out comes back and you try and retain maximum value throughout the life cycle. You monitor the offputs and make sure they're minimally destructive. And sometimes the offputs aren't destructive. Sometimes it's energy and that's positive or sometimes it's cleaner water and that's okay. But when you start to think about that in those terms, you're like, oh, this is quite cool. Yeah. You can, you know, really design for it. And as a designer at heart, as a creator at heart, I was like, that's a great creative challenge. Obviously we're all doing as best as we can. As I look at, you know, certain things in like plastic or boxes or whatever, like we're doing the best that we can. Yeah. But sustainability as a whole, as a principle is a very heavy kind of insurmountable feeling because like nothing is sustainable, like in the world. We're not, we're, we're going to go to like everything. We're going to end. Yeah. yeah. So when you think about sustainability, you're like, God damn, it does seem really hard. When you think of a circle, you're like, no, we can, that makes a lot more sense. So I really appreciate that. It's a nice thing to just keep in mind, even when you're making choices. I know people always ask me that, like, what can you do to be more sustainable? And I do actually think if you can just think about where things came from and where they're going after, it's like kind of just that simple. Mm-hmm. That is much easier to manage and sort of deal with. Why do you think that bigger brands, is it really just because it's cheaper to not like, like, like a gap or like not to use your former employer, but somebody of that sort of size, like they could transition to a circular model. They're not really set up to do it that way. You know, they've been operating in a very specific linear model for a very long time. Taking everything back at scale is a big undertaking. Right. Designing for circularity takes a different mindset around the creative process and materials choices. And they have very, very specific margins they have to hit. They have very specific kind of products they have to comp. So I, I do think that there are various brands trying and innovating and actually investing in materials innovation, recycling technology innovation, that type of work. Um, I think to make a significant shift is hard when you have a giant business. Well, it's just another example kind of what we've been talking about in the show this whole time, just like systems that need to shift and break down. And it, it's not, yeah, like it's not as simple as like, oh, we're just going to change our model. It's like, no, we have to like explode from the inside and like start again. Kind I of think, like our I country. Think... <laughs> <laughs> Rebirth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A positive word for yeah. it. We love that. Yeah. So I think that's right. I think, and, and sometimes it takes people, you know, like four days to prove a new system's possible and start engaging people right. in it because we can be nimble, we can listen, we can evolve, we can test, we can iterate and, and hopefully set the stage and, and be a facilitator for broader change. 
All right, friends, we are here with a new partner and we are so excited because they are a company that we actually were able to interview the founders of season one of So Retrograde. We are talking about Foria. Guys, Foria, if you don't know, they are an innovative health and sexual wellness company with product lines for intimacy, relief, and optimal well-being. It is a CBD forward intimacy line that also provides suppositories for female comfort as well as female pleasure. An unwavering commitment to clean ingredients, organic and regenerative farming, sex education, and responsible packaging. And they also maintain the highest standards of purity and transparency for your health and the health of the planet. And when we talked to the founder back in 2015, it was really the forefront of using CBD for sexual wellness. And now... It's like a whole industry out there and they've been leading the charge. And I've got to give a shout out to their intimacy collection. They've got a product called the Awaken Arousal Oil. Not only does it work fantastically, but it's gotten this like cute little tincture bottle. Yeah, I love the bottle. Right it's like you can bed. put it next to your bed and it's not weird. It's not weird. And no longer do I have to be like, wait, I need to go into my drawer that's in my closet and get some fun stuff. It's like right there and it doesn't look weird or obtrusive on the nightstand. Not only, you know, for like, I don't personally have um, pain during sex, but, you know, sometimes different times of the month, your body is like available or less available for arousal. You know, it's, we've talked to Lisa. What'd you say? I said, teach us. Tell us. Sometimes Tell us. your vagina is just kind of like slow on the uptake. You know, your you're mind, not always a WAP. Yeah, you're not always a WAP. <laughs> your mind and your heart are there, but your your pussy might be saying something different. And Foria helps you relax, get into the mood. It really just like sends a stimulation to that area so you can like get in tune with what you're trying to get in tune with in a much easier gentle way and like not for nothing, but it makes me be able to have sex for so much longer. I want to just say this before we get out of here. You know, Foria has a big why, and that is that 75% of women experience painful sex at some point and 80% of women experience painful menstrual cramps. And it really doesn't have to be that way. They've figured out a way to harness the wisdom of the plants. And they've. They, this is the first comprehensive product line to address all of these experiences. I've been using the cramp suppositories for so long. And they're just like a mainstay. Um, so guys, if you head over to foriawellness.com slash retrograde, that's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com slash retrograde, you'll get 20% off your first order. So excited to call them as a new partner. Their formulas are 100% plant-based with no fragrances, additives, or synthetics. They are 100% organic. There's no chemicals it's just the fucking thing to do. So get over there and get to stroking your WAP. <laughs> Back to the show. Stroking your WAP. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? When Steph and I discovered your work, we had a dream, a vision, and that, you know, we haven't put merch out in a, a really long time. Mm -hmm. And because we just didn't feel aligned with, slapping our logo on something that knew, we knew would have, you know, not the best lifeline. Mm -hmm. So we 
We're so excited when you guys said yes <laughs> to this little collab <laughs> that we are launching. Yeah. And yes. you know, Stephanie and I have have talked about often on this show how we're basically wearing like sweatsuits and underwear <laughs> around the Most house. The and that's time. about it. Yeah. And you guys have this incredible body style of like a cropped sweatshirt, boat neck with a pair of little matching shorts. So this is like the perfect end of summer set that has our lovely That's So Retrograde logo on Yay. it. Very cute and tiny. And that's going to be launching this week. And we are so thrilled because it just it just feels really special to be able to collaborate with brands that we are so, that we so admire. Aww. So we just want to say thanks for saying yes to us. Yeah. Oh, you guys. <laughs> it's such a fun, I, I, as I said before, collaboration and partnership and shared values and like, so our jam. And so we're really, really thrilled. A newer thing for us too. So it's really exciting to, to do it with you guys. And I think the product's super cute. So that's a bonus, obviously. It's so cute. Yeah. Super cute. Yeah. Super flattering. Yeah. Super cozy. I wore it the other day and my friend was like, wow, look at your like intense, like powerful kundalini energy with your white outfit. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, sure. That's right. Bring it. <laughs> I love it. Well, we're, we're so excited. Yes. So tell listeners how they can participate in four days and check out all your cool product and do the give back or the send back and the whole circle. The whole circle. Do the circle. Uh, yeah, we're at fourdays.com. So it's just F-O-R. And that's F-O-R. Yep, F-O-R-D-A-Y-S.com. And you'll find everything there. We have a whole range of women's and men's products. A lot of it's unisex. I'm actually wearing our men's shirt today. I love it. We have our cute new That's a Retrograde product. And uh, you can do a take back bag. We do um, a great way to kind of get started if you feel like doing it as part of a purchase or not is we'll take any of your old closet clutter back and take responsibility for that um, so that it gets you on this path of, of circularity sooner rather than later. So um, check everything out there. I definitely have a closet clutter bag to send forth. We'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're so thrilled. Thank you so much. And thank you for just like putting a new foot forward and how the industry can model itself. I think it's innovators like you that are are going to set the tone for how things should be done in the future. That's the goal. Let's lead by example. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. Um, it's time for Roses and Thorns, and I'm really excited to announce one of my roses. On the edge. Tell me. I actually said that, but like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, I'm really excited because I'm not a vegan and I love cheese, but I do recognize certain malpractice of dairy. And dairy also, malpractice. To be quite honest, more Dairy malpractice, but also more importantly to me, dairy malpractice on how it makes me gain unprecedented amounts of weight in the shortest amount of time possible. So I found this vegan cheese. So our friend Katie Manzella came over the other night um, and I decided to make us pizzas and I bought one of those, um, you know, Capelli's, the grain Capellos or Capelli's, they're almond flour, grain-free crusts. They're so fucking delicious. 
And one of them, I bought one of them and I, it was a pre-made white pizza, but then I added like more pesto and garlic sauce. And then I made Katie her own, doesn't eat dairy. And I used this vegan cheese called Violife. And it tastes legitimately like mozzarella cheese. It melts like mozzarella cheese and it only has like four ingredients in it. So I got the mozzarella shreds. They have all different shreds and then they also have blocks of cheese. And it is coconut oil, modified potato starch, mozzarella flavor, olive extract, beta carotene, B12 powdered cellulose. I don't know what that is. Probably something to make it stay together. But, and look, this isn't something that I would want to eat like all the time because anything that's made from any kind of like starches like that and whatever additives like not is not my favorite. But just to have like the occasional like pizza moment, if you're vegan and you don't want to have like a cheese tummy, if you're not vegan, I... I was pleasantly surprised, I have to say. And I'm trying to make choices that are not fully vegan, not fully plant-based, but that like I would like to meet the, the moment in the middle a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So That's discovering good. that was my, really um, major. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. My pizza COVID confessions go like this. One, extra crispy thin crust from Domino's with wow. all the veggies. It was like my favorite thing to eat in college. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, well, I mean, I know why, because I'm grabbing onto like anything that that feels somewhat soothing and grounding. I know exactly why I'm doing it. So I've gone back to that as a mainstay. Plus they've got a great app, super easy to order. Cauliflower pizza, not the crust, but the the proper pizza from Trader Joe's. I put that in Uh the oven, get it. Super well done. I put it in for like six more minutes than it says to on the package. Mm-hmm. And then I put um, pesto on it, vegan pesto. Yeah. Oh, my God. Did you get the vegan pesto from Air One? No, I make my own. Dude, the vegan pesto from Air One is like $20. But it's the most cracky, delicious thing. I've been putting it on legitimately everything for two weeks. I have <laughs> It's one of my favorite foods, <laughs> but I make my own really easy. I use just um, almond butter instead of like pine nuts or anything mm-hmm. like that. I'll just take like a few scoops of almond butter with the basil, garlic, salt, pepper, olive oil, and then do that in my ninja. Oh, ninja. You know, I think I might be just the type of bitch to spend money on that kind of thing. You can use any type of like nut butter if you don't want to use just like pine nuts or whatever. But yeah, I I feel like the pizza um, rituals are real in whatever form it it comes to you at this moment. It is a real thing. And I served it on my Ren Home customized cutting board, as you can see in this photo, second visual of the day. That looks beautiful. I think that should probably go in our newsletter. Thank you. As a show and tell. Okay, I'm going to send this to you. You got it, girl. You guys, <laughs> are you ready to be impressed with my domesticity? <laughs> fucking find me on ship. Find me on ship and send your boys my way because I make fucking Hello. Pizza. There you go. Way to tie it all together. Hello. I'm going to I'm gonna make this this rose thank quick. You. I feel like this is more of a stem looking to the future. But as you guys know, we've got an election coming up. And I feel like in between the pandemic, Mm -hmm. plus, you know, worrying about like our planet's future and women's health and just about every other headline that we're all reading, there's a lot at stake. We know this. 
Um, our vote means a lot mm-hmm. this year. And so I just want to shout out votesaveamerica.com. It is basically this one-stop shop for voter registration, education, and engagement. And they have this amazing hub with tools that we need. We can register to vote or even just double check that you're registered to vote. Um, you can find your state's dates and headlines. I know Steph and I, for us, like we're really focused on what's going on on the local level. And they have a ton of information about that there. You can request your vote by mail ballot early and you can find volunteer opportunities that you can do from your house. That's a thing this year. And those things make a huge difference. Found this to be a really excellent resource. That's votesaveamerica.com. And you can get registered to get involved and tell the people who are in your life to do the same. This is real important. Yeah. It's real, real important. Every time I think like, wow, this year's been a doozy. We're at September now, like home stretch. And then I'm like, wait, there's still an election. Also, I want to say something that I've been thinking about, about the election stuff. It's like, you know, I want all of us who have like a liberal, a more liberal leaning perspective. Yeah. You know, predisposition, if you will. Yeah. To remember to kind of check ourselves if we ever go into like an extremism, because I think what I'm seeing on the internet is a lot of, it's like both sides are so extreme and there's almost like this really like goody two shoes, like left liberal cancel culture Karenism that's happening in a way. It's not just women, it's men too. And I just feel like if you're kind of feeling yourself going into that and getting very angry, getting, you know, you've gone too far when you're getting really emotionally worked up and pissed off about other people's point of view. And though obviously Elizabeth and I don't want Trump to get reelected, I don't think the solution is turning those people into monsters and getting really angry. I think the only way that we have any chance of moving forward in this world is to find common ground. So really work on like the interpersonal finding common ground and not focusing on like the political divisiveness because that's how we keep not winning. I don't mean we as in Democrats. I mean, we as humans. That's beautifully said. So I just want to have like, you know, remember to check yourself if you're getting too upset. Yeah, take a deep breath. Do a little online shopping. Head over to Four Days. Check out our merch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, now we're telling them. Really excited about that. Um, Yeah. Oh my God, I cannot wait for you guys to see it. You're going to lose your fucking minds. We chose white so that we could open it up to tie-dye options because as you know, we've gone deep into the tie-dye over this past time. It's a real fun arts and crafts moment that we are big big mm-hmm. in support of. So um, in our newsletter, mm-hmm. we're going to link some tie-dye kits that we love and all that fun stuff. And that's over at thatsoretrograde.com. If you want to get on that list, you can find our merch linked on our Instagram, in the notes from this episode, in our newsletter, all that fun stuff. So thanks for hanging with us today, guys. We love you a lot. Stay safe out there. Mask up. And uh, see you next week. I'm Elizabeth Cott. See you next time. I'm Bye. Bye. Yes, that's a retrograde.